have been studying these past Sunday mornings about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, according to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so as we've been studying every trait of this fruit of the Spirit, today we're going to enter the the trait of of this fruit that is called... What are... Ooh. Oh, wow. Good morning. morning. Ah, that's what was missing. Good morning. morning. There you go. So today, this morning, we're going to study the part of the fruit that is called patience. Some of you are still not following me, but that's okay. It's okay. I'm a patient person, so it's going to work out. So we, just to give you a little bit of context to this passage, we have been reminding one another every Sunday that these are not the fruits of the Spirit. It's not plural. It's singular. It means that the fruit of the Spirit is one. What the Spirit of God produces in our hearts is a fruit that encompasses all of these different traits. We've also been pointing out that this fruit is not artificial. This fruit is not produced by us. It is the fruit of the Spirit of God. It's not from human origin. It is, as Gabby pointed out a few weeks ago, it manifests the character of Christ. So I was telling you this morning just a while ago, if you still don't know who Jesus is, well, the fruit of the Spirit is a great way to start because Jesus is all of that. Jesus is love, Jesus is joy, Jesus is peace, Jesus is righteousness, Jesus is goodness. Everything good, it comes from the character of Christ. But when the character of Christ is manifested in our lives, it is called the fruit of the Spirit. It's an evidence of the work that Jesus is doing in our hearts. It is the the manifest, who do we belong to? And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus says the following, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. And so it is a wonderful thing. To be walking among the people of God, it's a wonderful thing to get to know people that have their lives surrendered to Jesus because you get to experience the fruit of the Spirit. There is not a a branch, there is not a tree that eats its own fruit. The point of the fruit is to give it to others. And so it's a blessing, it is a joy to be part of a community where people are abounding in the fruit of the Spirit, where we can partake these traits of the Spirit of God and just enjoy it on the the day-to-day. And now this morning we come to this matter of patience. And patience, we will have to define what it is according to Scripture. We have to understand how it is it developed and how it is demonstrated in our lives. But at first and foremost, it's important for us to understand what patience is. And for that, we don't really need to go to a dictionary. And I'm going to explain why. Because our patience is very different from God's patience. The fruit of the Spirit is patience means that it is God who defines what actually patience is. 
And so the word that it was, the, the, the New Testament was written fully in Greek, so it is uh, not in English. I'm sorry about that. It's not, it wasn't written in Portuguese either. It was written in Greek. And the word that we translate as patience is a beautiful word called macrothumia. Can you say macrothumia? Some of you are sh very shy this morning. Say macrothumia. There you go. Now you know. You learned Greek this morning. Now you're better than, than I am. So it's a word that is actually composed by two words. One is macros. And macro, I think some of you know what does it mean. It means long. It means far distant. And thumos, that means anger. It means rage. So not a very good thing. So it means someone or something that is long to anger. Something that is long to get enraged. And the classical English translation of Scripture in English translates macrothumia as long-suffering. So this is a possible biblical definition for us this morning according to Scripture. Patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems, or suffering specially caused by others without becoming annoyed or anxious. Amen. Drop the mic. Let's continue worshiping the Lord. Amen? No. Like the other parts of the fruit of the Spirit, as we said, it's part of the character of God. And we have to go into Scripture to understand how the Bible explains that God is patient. And God is extremely patient. And it starts in the Old Testament. And we can open the next to this, chapter 34. If you have the Bible app with you, can or free to open. If you have a notebook, write, in, write down. If you have a, a smartphone, who has a smartphone here this morning? Who has dumb phones these days? Some of you have dumb phones, but I believe that you have a smartphone and you have a notes app. So open your notes app. I know that you're not going to be texting or Ubering the food after the service. I know that you're taking notes, so please do so this morning. Exodus 34, verse 6. The Bible says, The Lord passed in front of Moses and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God who is compassionate and merciful, very patient, full of great loyalty and faithfulness. And so the Bible already says from the very beginning that God is very patient. But God is full of compassion and mercy, but patience is something that defines the character of God. And we continue in the Old Testament, and some of you know this prophet Jonah in the Old Testament, that God had a message. He had a purpose for him to go to a city called Nineveh. And he didn't like the idea of going there. He didn't like the idea of preaching to them. So he decides to go on a different direction. Some of you already know the story that in the middle of the storm, he was about to lose his life. God saves him with a big fish. It's quite dramatic. It's one of those beautiful stories in Scripture. But at the end, the point is, he ended up doing what God told him to do. Go to Nineveh and preach salvation to them. Preach so that they can repent. Preach so that something worse is not going to happen in their lives. And what happens afterwards is this in Jonah chapter 4 verse 2. So Jonah prayed to the Lord, Lord, isn't this what I said would happen when I was still in my own country? That's why I tried to run to Tarshish in the first place. I knew 
that you are a merciful and compassionate God, patient and always ready to forgive and to reconsider your threats of destruction. So Jonah is pointing out, and he was upset that God was extending his mercy to such an ungodly city as Nineveh was because God is full of patience. Even when God is saying, if you don't change your ways, I'm going to destroy the city. There's not going to be one stone uh, 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 rose in this place if, if you do not repent of your ways. And God and Jonah is recognizing this is who God is. That was the reason why he wanted me to come because he was going to demonstrate his mercy and his patience. And the, the prophets in the Old Testament continue to say that on Isaiah chapter 30. The Bible says, these people, the people of Israel, are like children who lie and refuse to obey. They refuse to listen to the Lord's teachings. But even so, the Lord is waiting to be gracious to you. And he will rise up to grant you his compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And so God, even though he's dealing with children that we are, children that we do not take his advice and we do not take his commands, that we are stubborn and we try to do life our own way. But God... God is waiting to be gracious to us. God is a God. He's not impatient. He's not doing this to his foot. God is a God that wants to extend compassion at all times. And if we go to the New Testament, we see the exact same thing. Peter was describing to the church, hey, you're going to preach the good news of the gospel. But people will reject that. People will not, don't want anything to do with God. And they will mock you. And so he says in 2 Peter chapter 3, But do not forget one thing, my dear friends. There is no difference in the Lord's sight between one day and a thousand years. To him the two are the same. The Lord is not slow to do what he promised, as some think. Instead, he is patient with you. Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants all to turn away from their sins and this is the patience of God that is why patience patience is in the fruit of the spirit it manifests the character of God people have these ideas that God is just an angry old man do you know that sometimes old Portuguese people they're by the window just to complain <laughs> to anyone that is passing by complain about the weather complain about the heat complain about where people are parking their cars complaining about every single thing and sometimes we have this idea that God is this very mean old man that is by the window just looking at us and complaining the whole time couldn't be farther away from the word God is so patient with us God does not want to give to us what we deserve. God is, is long in his anger. God is long in his rage. It doesn't take away the fact in Scripture because God is perfect justice. And the Bible says that at the end, he will show his justice fully. And we could preach about exactly what it means, but we don't want to go there. We want to talk about patience. 
But God is fair. He will not allow sin to go um, without judgment. But God, in the way that he deals with us, the way that God wants to bring us into his kingdom, the way that God wants to shape and mold our lives to be according to his will, this is, in fact, the God that we serve, God that is patient, God that has long-suffering. So why are we talking about the patience of God? Because it is the patience of God that defines what patience needs to be for us. It's the patience that we as his children, we need to show others. It's supposed to be a family characteristic. Children are supposed to bear testimony of who their father is. And it's such a weird thing to, to grow old and I can speak to this very often when, when I'm doing something or I'm cutting vegetables or, or doing the dishes or something and I look at my hands, I can swear that I can see my father's hands. It's such a strange feeling to see the resemblance of where we came from and all of a sudden I, I can see those hairy little fingers and all of that and it's, hey, minute a minute, it's me. And we resemble those who came before us. And it happened so very often that I'm telling a story, and even Gabby in our holidays, Gabby was telling me, she doesn't even let me end the story. She just says, you tell a story exactly like your mom does. I think it's a good thing. I hope it's a good thing, but let, let's not go there. But exactly like the way my mom tells a story, it's how I tell it. But I really think there is a beauty in this. Because at the very heart of all things, God's eternal purpose for us is to make us like Jesus is to make us like our older brother, Jesus. Romans chapter 28, verse 29 says, For from the very beginning, God decided that those who come to him, and all along he knew who would, should become like his son, so that his son would be the first with many brothers and sisters. So in a way, we are already God's family, but we are also becoming his family. We are already part of his flock, but in many different ways, we are still learning to be part of his family. I, my, my dad growing up, he was an orphan, so he didn't have a family for, with traits that he could pull from. Maybe there's some biological traits, but we don't know. We cannot compare. But that's not the case with our Heavenly Father. And that is not the case when we grow up with a mom and dad. The more we stay close to them, the more we will see their traits passing by and rubbing on us. And the way that we speak, the way that we behave, and the Bible is very clear in saying, if you belong to God and if you're part of his family, then the point of God in bringing you into his family is so that you can become more like Jesus. So that we can resemble more the character of Christ in our lives. It takes time. It takes fellowship and takes intimacy. My dad was kind of adopted very late in life. Almost, I think, in, in his 23, 24 years old, he got a family and a dad that he could call his own. But it's so interesting that even with such little time, but because he spends such good quality time with them, every time that my dad is with his dad and they pass by and they walk in the street together and they're introduced as father and son, everyone says, wow, my goodness, you are so alike. Look at that nose. Look at those ears. The way that you speak, you can tell it's your dad because of the quality time 
that you spent together. And God wants us to resemble him more and more. So how is this patience developed? How can we see this, this patience just growing like a seed that is planted in our lives? Well, the Bible is, is very clear on how he does it, even though we don't really like the process of it. But let's see what the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 2. So this is a very, James, the, this letter of James in the New Testament is very practical. And it's written by a brother of Jesus, a blood brother of Jesus. So it tells us something. It's, it's beautiful to understand this in, in a family term. So see what he says. He says in verse 2, My brothers and sisters, when you have many kinds of troubles, you should be full of joy. Okay, full of joy and troubles. Okay, got it. Tick. Are you full of joy this morning because of your troubles? Are you enjoying your troubles? How are your troubles treating you? Very nice, right? So easy to do. We were, uh, this past week, we were on holiday. People can't even be full of joy when they're at the beach. There was this family in front of us. Granted, they had two teenagers. But my goodness. We're at the beach. We're supposed to be enjoying the time. And, and I can tell they were, they were a little bit wealthier. You know those, those um, what do you call those umbrellas, sun umbrellas there at the beach that you have to pay to rent and all of that. So it kind of tells you, okay, you, and they were drinking their mojitos and they were supposed to be enjoying their time. They weren't enjoying anything. The kids were complaining about every single thing that happened and then the towel and then he put sand in my towel and then I don't want to sit there because it's too hot and my, my, my shoes were at the sun so now I cannot walk and then I don't know where the bathroom is and then everyone is just complaining about every single thing and I'm like trying to enjoy my time. My goodness, not even on holiday. Still, what James is saying here is very straightforward. Troubles for the believer should not be regarded as enemies or intruders in our lives. Troubles should not be seen by us as something that doesn't belong. That's how we tend to look at our troubles. We don't want them. We want to try and distance ourselves from them, from all difficulties. We want to make sure that our lives are as pleasant as they possibly can be. And James is saying, no. Just that, no. We have to think differently. You need to view these troubles in a different way. And he continues in verse 3, because you know that these troubles test your faith. And this will give you? This will give you patience. So let your patience show itself perfectly in what you do. Then you will be perfect and complete and will have everything you need. Now, beautiful challenge. And again, we've been in the fruit of the Spirit and we started in love and we've been going through love and we enjoyed that service immensely and it was wonderful, but it only took 20 minutes for us to say something unloving afterwards. 
So love, okay, we're not really good at it, but joy, and then we went into joy, and then we were so moved by joy, and it was such a happy, joyful service, and then someone made a comment to us that morning, and then someone complained or looked at us in the wrong way, and all of the joy is out of the window. And we stay the rest of that Sunday in a crappy little mood, right? But we still have peace. Thank goodness for peace. It lasted until Monday because that phone call from that colleague or from someone that brought in some bad news, okay, now peace is out of the window. But don't worry. We have patience. We have so much to look forward to this Sunday. I'm sure that we can be a little bit more patient this morning. Amen? Well, I'm looking at some of you, and some of you are not very patient. You're already looking. This guy is taking way too long. By the pace of it, this is not going to last so long. So, again, we're again failing. Patience is equally tough. And if you think it's hard listening to it, imagine preaching about it. We're not speaking about what we are able to produce and not what we naturally have. We're speaking about the God that is patient. And the God that wants to produce patience in our lives because he wants to see a resemblance to the character of Christ in our lives. So just as we are in desperate need of love, joy, and peace, we are in desperate need of patience. But again, what we are reading here in James should give us hope. There is hope for us. And he gives us this perspective. Troubles are inevitable. Everyone will go into trouble, so it doesn't really matter if you try your very best to escape them. Troubles will be part of life. But tr- and troubles come right out of the blue. You don't plan for troubles. You don't choose to be in trouble. Troubles will happen when we least expect them to. And troubles come in all shapes and sizes and forms. Especially in people forms. But they come in so many different ways. But the Bible is saying, this is how our faith is being tested. Because this is how patience is developed. However, can you say however? However, troubles in themselves do not have the capacity to form patience in us. Just because you go through a lot in life, that doesn't make you a more patient person. That's not what James is saying. That's why he's teaching us about patience. Because we go through troubles and many times we do not demonstrate patience. But he's teaching us because there is a benefit when we receive those troubles and difficulties and we handle them with the right attitude and in the right way. When we understand what they are for, when we do not understand what something is for, what do you do with it? You put it in the shelf, you put it, you hide it somewhere because you don't see the value. You have it. And I'm a very technological person. If you have an iPhone 14 Pro Max, and if you don't know how to use it, and if you don't even have WhatsApp installed, and if you don't know what iMessage is, 
And if you don't know that, that it, the iPhone has a cinematic mode, that it's a beautiful way of shooting film, <laughs> then it annoys me a little bit. Because that is such a beautiful, immense tool. It's so resourceful. But if you have it and you don't know what to do with it, well, you might as well have any other phone. Patience and the troubles that we have, the troubles that we go through, if we do not know why God allows them to happen in our lives, it's the exact same thing. You will be complaining the whole time. When God has, is very clear of why he is allowing those troubles to come, he is producing patience in your life and in my life. And that gives us the right perspective. That allows us to benefit from troubles. That allows us to be full of joy in the midst of troubles. So it, there is a change, there's a shift that needs to happen in our lives. As someone said, troubles, they come to prove us, to test us, but they can also come to reprove us. One person may respond to a situation in a bitter and an angry way and upset and disengaged and not willing to fight for anything anymore, while another person is manifesting what can only be a resemblance of God's patience in their lives. And that's what James is saying. Let God's patience show. Let that patience of God be manifested in your life. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 says this, Clothe yourselves with patience. Clothe yourselves. He's not saying put, a, put, a, put in a front. Show something that you do not have. No, because we understand the fruit is from the Spirit, so it is produced inside of us. But we are called to manifest it. We are called to show it. We have a responsibility. Clothe yourselves with patience. When we don't demonstrate, when we do not display, it's very hard for me to believe. It's like when people say on Sunday, well, I won't be at church on Sunday, but I will be there in spirit. You know those people? I can't remember, but I will be there. It sounds so, so nice. It doesn't matter where you will be in spirit if you're not there. It's where you're at. It's what you're manifesting that matters. It's the display that gives the evidence of an internal reality in our lives. Spurgeon, a man who taught the word of God, in 1883, he preached a message called All Joy in All Troubles. And in order for it to demonstrate and to help people understand what patience is, he used this picture of an experienced sailor. Have you, have, uh, how many of you have been by the docks or have grown up in, by the sea and you've seen what sailors look like, what normal sailors look like? Some of you have. Or, uh, what are they wearing? Are they wearing suits? They, do they look very groomed? Not at all. They look like they've been in the sun for 72 hours straight. They're smelly. Stinky, they're, you don't want to be close to them, but 
If you are to enter a boat, whatever boat it is, you want someone that looks like him. Because he is manifesting that he knows his business. He knows what the sea is. He shows that he's been in a couple of storms in his life. And you want to be close to that person at that time. So when you enter his ship, you feel great confidence in, in his skills. And so Spurgeon is saying, and nobody reaches that condition by staying on the shore. If you want to manifest, and if God wants us to manifest patience, it means that we need to be in the high seas. It means, it means that we will have to endure some storms in our lives. Otherwise, we will not produce patience in our lives. When we are mistreated, and we are all mistreated in life, whether if it's at home or work or school, and we feel uh, judged and we feel that we are misunderstood, when we are confronted with people that do not meet our standards or we're not meeting someone's standards, it's easy for us, okay, this is getting a bit much, and I just want out. I don't want to endure this anymore. This is not what I sign up with. I don't want a bumpy and turbulent kind of life. I want to live my own life in a very peaceful way. So let me just stay in the tranquility of this harbor. Let me just gather people around that treat me nicely and, and make me enjoy my life fully. Sometimes we treat our children that way. We want to protect them from every single bad thing or every trouble that life can throw at them. But eventually, we have to let them go. They have to experience the storms by themselves. And it's like what Spurgeon says, when you reach that condition of endurance and patience, it's worth all the expense of all the headed up troubles that ever come upon us. When you experience the work that God is doing in your life because of the troubles you've been, you can thank God for the troubles. We can even thank God for the things we went through. James chapter 5, verse 7, he continues on saying and speaking so much about patience. He says, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord comes again. A farmer patiently waits for his valuable crop to grow from the earth and for it to receive the autumn and spring rains. You too must be patient. Do not give up hope. Because the Lord is coming soon. We spend so much time wondering, why is God allowing this? Why is God discarding my wishes? Why do I never get what I ask for? And it's true, there are some purposes. And people ask pastors and leaders of the church all the time, why is God doing this? Why is he not delivering me? Why, 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 and why me of all people? And we don't have that many answers. Some things and a lot of things are mysterious about how God deals with us. But still, we have a lot that we know that God is forming and conforming his children to the image of his son, Jesus. That in itself is the answer. Maybe it's not the answer that it will make you feel all hopeful and happy and change your mood all of the time. But it's the truth that we need to hear. And it's the truth that sets us free. 
It's the truth that allows us to know that we serve a loving and faithful God in spite of our circumstances. It's so great to see our prayers answered. It's so great to understand that God is, is taking care of us and, and, and helping us cope with things and we see his mighty hand and, and helping us and delivering us so quickly. But sometimes he will take longer. And there's going to be fruit in that too. So when we do not understand what God is doing, we can try to self-interpret what is going on. I think God is doing this because of this, because of that. And we, we try to reason with God. We try to tell God why he's doing things. We can take offense and we can rebel against God that, okay, if this is the God that Christians serve, I don't want this God. If this is the God that Christianity is saying that is a God that allows troubles, I don't like that God. So let me find another God to serve. Let me find another God because I don't want this God that allows troubles, that produce patience in me. Or we can take James at his word and say, now wait a minute. These troubles that are coming into my life in so many different shapes and forms but God is telling me that I can actually rejoice and find joy in the midst of these troubles. When I started looking and understanding why God is allowing these troubles, what are they producing in my life? I can be joyful because God is forming Christ in me. And it is a challenge to choose this third way. It is a challenge from Scripture. That's why we teach it. That's why the Word is telling us it's something that we need to apply into our lives. How is patience demonstrated? And I'm very close to closing. Patience is, can be demonstrated in many different ways, and there's a million examples that I think you could give as well. But I was studying this week, and I think there is one way that patience is completely and fully demonstrated, and that is in the forgiveness of sin. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, Jesus was teaching and saying, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Your sins. And there is a blessing and a beautiful promise in Scripture that we know that God forgives those who truly repent, those who turn away from their sins, those who seek His forgiveness. God forgives those who acknowledge that they're on the wrong side of the equation. God is patient. As we read, God does not want to give people what they deserve. God is longing for them to turn away from their sins and turn to him. So one of the evidences of someone who has received forgiveness is a forgiving spirit towards those who offend us. And it is a great test. And Jesus is putting this as a test. Because when my eyes are open to the enormity of my offenses against God, when I really have a deep look into all the things that I've offended the heart of God with, why am I going to close my heart when someone offended me? When someone mistreated me? When I myself, I am someone that struggled with that. Matthew 18, many of you know this passage. Peter once came to Jesus 
And he asked him, Lord, how, will, how often will my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times, which means you can't even count the times. And then Jesus continued telling a parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, a gigantic amount of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Have patience with me. Ended up with forgiveness. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, a very small amount of money. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all your debt because you pleaded with me. And you should not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And there could be so many other examples in Scripture about forgiveness about the importance of showing and demonstrating the patience that God has for us. I want to invite the worship team to come. And just bringing some of this together for you to remember, always remember that our Heavenly Father is a patient God. And a patient God wants to make patient children. That is a trait of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And God does not want this part of the fruit to lack in our lives. When troubles and difficulties come, patience is not developed in, in a deck chair at the beach. Patience is developed in the midst of suffering and hardship. So when we pray, God, make me more patient, make me more peaceful, make me more joyful. We're actually praying, God, help me in this bumpy road. Help me in the midst of my troubles. Help me to see you in the midst of everything that is going on. Patience is revealed in forgiveness. And I think that is another subject that we all have to deal with 
on the constant day-to-day of our lives. How do we treat others is the way that God will deal with us as well. And if we want a God that is patient with us and wants to be patient with us, then we are to resemble our Heavenly Father and demonstrate that patience with all that surround us. And as the worship team starts playing and we will enter a time of worship again in the presence of God. And this is a time where you and I, we can really ask God, God, help me to apply this word into my life. Help me to see things as you see them. Help me to understand how should I live my life according to what we've heard. And I definitely, I was lying to you in the beginning. I'm not a very patient person. It's not a trait of Reuben, but I'm very eager and really asking the Lord that I want more of the fruit of His Spirit in my life. And every time patience shows, I know it's not me. I know it's Him. And I don't want to hinder His Spirit, and I don't want you to hinder the Spirit of God. So let us allow and ask the Lord to help us demonstrate the patience that He has. Let us take time this week to meditate. There's not one of us that is not going through hardships and troubles in life right now. So if with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can meditate, we can declare in our hearts that the purpose why God is allowing this to happen at the very end is to form Christ Jesus in us. That we can take hold of this promise that we can be joyful in the midst of our sufferings. That we can be joyful and demonstrate patience in the midst of the sufferings of life. So that in all things, may God be glorified. So that in all things, we may benefit from the fruit of the Spirit. So that in all things, people that are around us will get to know the Jesus that lives inside of us. As I was saying before, because the fruit of the Spirit is tangible. It's demonstrated. It it doesn't only live inside of us. It is shown to others around us. When in our relationships with our neighbors, with our colleagues, with our spouses. May they see the fruit of the Spirit in us. I just want to close this time with a question. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of living the exact same way and failing the exact same way in all the troubles that life throws at you? We're constantly showing our traits. We're constantly showing who we are. We're constantly complaining. We're constantly feeling self-pity. We're constantly being us when God is inviting us this is an opportunity for the fruit of the spirit to show this is an opportunity for us to seek and ask God I'm tired of the fruit of Reuben I want the fruit of the spirit 
God, as we pray and as we humble ourselves in your presence, we ask that you will help us apply this word. That you will help us, Lord, be transformed in our understanding of your word and of our troubles so that we can fully understand and realize the work that you're doing from the very beginning in our lives. God, you are such a patient God. And even though so many times and in so many ways we fail time and time again, God, we don't want our troubles to reprove us. We want to pass the test. We want to be able to see your glory in the midst of our sufferings. We want to see the the glimpses of your spirit living in us and the way that we react to the people and the troubles around us. God, let us know how to apply this, what we have to do in prayer, in seeking your word, in meditating. May we demonstrate the patience that comes from you. And Father, will you fill our hearts with joy as well? That in this process and in the storms of life that we go through, may we always be able to find joy in you. Help us not to be complaining. Help us not to be consumed by our troubles, but help us to find the joy that comes from you. As we seek you now, as we worship you, Lord, will you continue to minister to our hearts this morning? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.